basically examine like how people who have a transactional view versus people who have a communal view, like how gratitude impacts them. Because, you know, if people who are more transactional, like they might think more in terms of what is the value of this favor that this person has done to me? And I need to reciprocate with something of similar value. And people who are sort of more communal, they might say, okay, this person has done something nice for me. I'm going to do something nice for them. Hello and welcome to the Fourth Space Podcast. This conversation stems from an ongoing research project by doctoral candidate in marketing, Tanya Singh, and her work investigating the role that gratitude plays in our lives and whether or not it always has a positive impact. She joins philosopher Dr. Jing Iris Hu and doctoral candidate in experimental psychology, Alexa Ruel, to examine how the ideas, expectations, and rituals of gratitude can both influence us and have some unexpected effects. This conversation was recorded live as part of Tanya's residency as a Concordia Public Scholar here at Fourth Space. Thanks for listening. And we would like to begin by acknowledging that Fourth Space and Concordia University are located on unceded indigenous lands. The Cayuncahaga Nation is recognized as custodians of the lands and waters on which we gather. And Chichage, Montreal, is historically known as a gathering place for many First Nations. We respect the continued connections with the past, the present, and the future in our ongoing relationships with Indigenous and other peoples within the Montreal community. We basically wanted to ask this question of, you know, whether resource scarcity can interact with this sort of reciprocity that results from gratitude. And uh, basically the idea would be that if you are feeling sort of constrained resource-wise, so if you're financially constrained or time constrained, um, and then someone you know lends you their time or lends you their money, you might, because of this act of gratitude, feel this need to reciprocate. And because your resources are already constrained, this might actually um, have a negative impact on your overall well-being because you might feel like you are not in a position to reciprocate and this might make you feel worse or make you feel like your resources are even more scarce. And so basically this is the this is the kernel of the idea or the project that we are sort of working on currently. And we have some preliminary findings to suggest that gratitude can have negative consequences, especially for those who are already experiencing resource scarcity. So I've sort of explained to you what, you know, my sort of interest in gratitude is or how I came to gratitude, but I'd love to hear from uh, Jing and also from Alexa, how they perceive gratitude and what kinds of roles they think uh, gratitude plays in our society and other moral emotions like gratitude play in our society. So um, I guess maybe, maybe I'll throw a question at Alexa first. What do we know about the cognitive basis of gratitude? I mean, do we know what areas of the brain sort of fire when gratitude is being experienced? What do we know about that? Yeah, um, in psychology, gratitude is it's a very complex concept, right? So I did some little research on it to find out how much do we really know about what gratitude is and how is this um, touching on other psychological concepts? And what I found is that it's so complex that we're just starting to really understand the breadth, uh, breadth of what um, gratitude involves at the psychological level. And it involves everything from like understanding basic emotion, empathy, to uh, value judgment. So like, what is this worth? Can I return that worth? To um, other concepts like moral cognition. And when we look at what is happening at the neural level, so using things like fMRI, so magnetic imaging, 
we can really start to see, well, which areas of the brain are involved in when someone expresses or feels gratitude? And what does that mean for the concepts that, are, that we're touching on when someone feels gr grateful for something? Um, so it's, it's very, very complex. We can maybe dive into a little more of this um, later during the talk, but it goes from everything from like a basic recognition of emotion to this deeper process of deciding what the value is of something and then what you're going to do about what you've received and how you feel about that. Um, but there's, you know, there's a lot, but also a little when it comes to understanding gratitude from a psychological angle. So in philosophy, a lot of times we talk about it in a more fundamental and abstract way, right? So the, the good thing is that now we understand that, um, well, I'll start from the bad, um, the limitation, right? The limitation is that uh, we, in philosophy, maybe we don't have a very hands-on understanding of, you know, sometimes we see, well, gratitude failed to motivate something. Then it's very easy for us to say, hey, maybe it's not a reliable motivator. Um, or when we say, hey, uh, gratitude is really, really important, but we can't really put a number to it of how important it is. Um, but I think what philosophy is really great at doing, um, what ethics really great at doing is that it really highlights the complexity of the whole phenomenon of gratitude and altruism and empathy. Um, and and it, especially like when you were mentioning the downstream or down downstream uh, reciprocity, right? So someone helps me, I don't think much of it, and many years later, um, I I find myself to be to see someone else in a situation that I was in a few years before, and I help that person. So sort 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 of like a, a bank that something was stored in me, and later on I were able to kind of. Um, you know, um, repay. But that kind of repay is, on one hand, we all know it's a real and meaningful reaction. It's very, it can be really strong and we are very familiar with it. But, but it's not reliable in the sense that we can't measure it in a lab setting. We can't say, hey, let's gather 10 people and then 20 years later and have them report back if this one instant when we gave them $100 each had any positive effect, right? So, and also I, I think there's one other thing is precisely the temporal limitation, which is that, which is very important in, in long-term emotions like gratitude or empathy. It can have a very, very long-term effect in shaping this person's character, in shaping this person's behavior down the road instead of having an immediate effect. And I think the fascinating, the most fascinating part of this emotion is precisely that when it has an immediate reaction, even though sometimes it's reliable and we expect it to have an immediate reaction, it's very weak and flimsy when it's immediate. And when it, when it becomes a strong motivator, it's precisely when it's working in this mysterious and long-term way that it gets us, then it changes us and shapes us, then it has a very dramatic um, effect. Um, so, so I think that's one thing that I think philosophy and I might personally find really fascinating is precisely how sometimes almost, almost mystically these emotions work in the long run. Um, and not only just for ourselves, but also in fact other people. And then, you know, sometimes create a positive feedback loop, creates a, that lasts for generations. So, um, so I thought that's something that I'm really interested in. So speaking of your project, so I'm actually really curious um, if it's kind of individual based 
or do you also measure like in group um, effects of you know a group of individuals if they feel grateful? Um, is that going to change their behavior as a, or or is that going to have much effect for them as a group, as a community versus individuals? So that's a great point. I mean, at this level, we've only done like a couple of studies and it's very preliminary. And we've just done studies, you know, where we have individuals as, as subjects. And we basically, we sort of, you know, we use a very standard gratitude manipulation, which is we ask them to list three things that they're grateful for. And then we, we prime scarcity and then we sort of uh, measure um, their, you know, how indebted they feel and how sort of, you know, reciprocal they, they feel and stuff. And how um, how they perceive their resources. And what we find is that basically people who experience resource scarcity, when they experience gratitude, they actually perceive their resources to be even more scarce. So these are sort of, you know, findings so far. But it would be really interesting. And we, I mean, maybe I'm approaching it from a slightly different perspective than what you said, Jing, but what we've been thinking about is sort of people tend to think of their relationships as either communal or transactional. And so some people have this sense that, you know, they don't really keep this mental account of, oh, like I spent $20 on lunch and then this person spent $30 on lunch. So I owe them $10. Like, you know, some people have a very transactional view of their relationships. And some people have this very communal sort of view, like, oh, you know, like it's okay if I spend like $10 more and it's okay if like this person spends $5 less, like, you know, it doesn't matter to them. Like these sort of small discrepancies don't really register. And so we want to basically examine like how people who have a transactional view versus people who have a communal view, like how gratitude impacts them. Because assuming that people who have, you know, if people who are more transactional, like they might think more in terms of, well, you know, I have to, what is the value of this favor that this person has done to me? And I need to reciprocate with something of similar value. And people who are sort of more communal, they might say, okay, this person has done something nice for me. I'm going to do something nice for them, right? It just is, the value of the favor doesn't really matter, but just like the, the actual act or the thought, it's the thought that counts, right? It's that, that kind of mindset. So, so uh, I don't know if that's what you were referring to or were you referring to something else when you talked about in-group versus individual? I, I, I thought that was really interesting that, you know, the two mindset would change how we perceive gratitude. Um, I was, um, but I was actually getting at a different point, which is that, if, if the enhancing, if the um, promoting of the emotions such as gratitude, is that going to change, let's say the atmosphere of a whole office, right? Instead of just this one individual's life because our action, our emotion impact other people and you know, other people's behavior also impacts us. Um, so I wonder if that's something um, that will be looked at. Um, I mean, not as part of my project, but I mean, anecdotally, we do have, you know, there are businesses and most businesses have like an employee of the month or like, you know, employee of the week and that kind of appreciation kind of intervention. And I mean, I guess you could do some sort of quasi like natural experiment where like you compare businesses which have those interventions and businesses that don't have those interventions and basically compare and see like if there's a difference in morale or like mood or, you know, just overall sort of, because it might also lead to competition, right? Like we are competitive as humans. And so if there's this competition to be employee of the month or employee of the week, then it can also lead to, you know, like maybe the opposite effect, right? Like maybe it sort of leads people to become more competitive and less sort of friendly and more cutthroat. And 
So, so that would be really cool, actually, to see, you know, maybe another impact, another sort of, you know, group effect of gratitude um, or, or having these sort of appreciation kind of based interventions could, could also have, a, you know, unexpected negative impacts. So, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. I didn't even consider that angle, but that angle is really cool. So I'm really curious if, because uh, Alexa was talking about the, you know, the physiological aspect of, of gratitude. I'm curious, like what causes what in your in your, um, in your study or in your understanding, what do you think would cause gratitude or uh, you know the that feeling? And and then also, do you think there is a specific or general formula for that, or do you think that's just a very you know personal? Whoever you know, people will be grateful for whatever they are grateful of. Um, so I'm really curious of that. Um, I, I don't know if there is like a formula or a specific way of conceptualizing what really is like behind the scenes when someone feels grateful or, or feels gratitude. Um, what I found so far and kind of looking more into it um, in preparation for today was that it, it's really complex, right? And you, you have to be able to recognize emotion, right? So first there's like all that recognition of emotion. There seems to be some things that are well understood and some factors that all kind of intertwine to lead someone to feel grateful for something. Um, but it's not fully understood in terms of, well, is that the same for everyone? Is it different based on cultural or upbringing? Um, and that is something I keep bringing up because when I did the research in children, right, I was really curious, like, what is it in children? Like, why don't they feel grateful the same way younger adults do? And why does it change again in older adulthood? Again, lifespan researcher. Um, and a lot of the work in children was really based in their environment or their cultural background. So there's studies like gratefulness in children in the U.S., gratefulness in children in Guatemala, gratefulness. And there's all these like it's very specific by region or by culture. And what was interesting to me is that that may play a huge factor as well. So all this rambling to say that I don't think there's a specific formula to it, but there seems to be like, like slowly piecing it together to really understand, well, what is it that's contributing to this really complex emotion on the psychological angle? Can you name a few of the, you know, a few of the factors that would contribute to it? You know, something like um, a person receives something, right? So that's probably one part of it that perceived some kind of perceived gain from, you know, another party who maybe intentionally, maybe unintentionally have, you know, benefited the other. Um, yeah, I think there's, I mean, if we're talking about like a gift giving um, context that elicits gratitude, there would be kind of that gift or that that gain on the on the behalf of the, the receiver, right? So I've gained something. I've recognized that I've gained something. Then I have a, an emotional reaction to that, right? Which you know, um, takes for granted that there's an emotional maturity or an emotional understanding, right, um, on the behalf of the receiver. So when you think of very young children, they might not fully understand what it is they're feeling yet if they don't have that developed. Um, and then you can think of, okay, now that that's passed, there's all this, you know, moral cognition. So like, I've received this person's gift, well, what does that mean? And what do I do next? And then there's this whole deliberation process of the value. So, okay, well, what is it they gave me? Is it worth a lot? Is it not worth a lot? How much did I return in terms of either material or time or, you know, in any, in any way back to this person? So there's all these kind of little pieces and 
they all rely on a certain amount of development. So even just um, one of the big factors I found really interesting that con contributes to this, um, I found was um, theory of mind. So this ability to understand that what I know, not everyone else knows. What I have, not everyone else has. And that makes total sense that it would be involved in being grateful, right? I know that maybe not everyone has a roof over their head. Well, I'm grateful that I do. And maybe I always did, right? It's not because I eventually didn't have a roof over my head that I can express or feel gratitude or grateful for having that. Um, so I think those are all these little pieces that come together. And then because these different cognitive um, developmental abilities change from childhood to young adulthood to older adulthood, then we can see how that might affect um, gratitude or how, it, how it's expressed as well. One point, um in the last exchange that I, I noticed that was really, really of interest to me is the bodily aspect of gratitude that Tanya had just mentioned. Um, because a lot of times it's not, going, it's not just simply writing the words or uttering the words. A lot of times, you know, in different cultures, um, showing gratitude is coupled with all kinds of bodily bodily posture and the specific manners, the specific rituals, right? Um, you thank someone, you know, um, by having different gestures, right? In East Asian cultures, in uh, Indian cultures, in different cultures. And I think uh, even though the gestures and the bodily postures are not the same, but there's a sense of, you know, you signaling that you are willing to take a lower position than the other person, right? So even if I'm taller, I, I want to bow down a little bit to show that you can take, I let you take the, you know, the, the, the taller space in, in this room. So there, there is some kind of like yielding, like gesture that's going on there. So I think there um, to signal that um, we are experiencing, um, we're acknowledging something that has done to, to us. So, uh, and, and I think that's one thing I mentioned in our uh, pre-podcast uh, discussion as well, which is the bodily aspect. How and can that be factored into um, a lab setting or the survey setting, right? So even if it's just cases where a person have to, you know, um, maybe um, put themselves in a, in, in the bodily posture that's pre frequently associated with showing gratitude and then think about the things that they are grateful of, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than just sit in front of the desk and think, okay, five things I'm grateful of. No, that's very interesting, Jing. I mean, it's really interesting that you bring up, I mean, because in Indian culture, there is this, you know, like there is this bowing and there is this sort of, uh, and I and, and I think in in sort of Chinese culture as well, there is this bowing and there's a sort of acknowledgement that, you know, you, and I wonder like what you think of that, right? Like, because, um, I mean, to me, it's sort of, it's like, uh, it almost signals like an indebtedness, right? Like, I mean, I'm indebted to you. Like you've done something good for me and I am sort of, you know, showing you that I'm indebted to you. And and, and I, I wonder how you interpreted that and how you think that that's sort of like, what, what sort of moral philosophy has to say about that? Like, what does the bodily posture indicate? Um, I think there's a, a, a connection between our beliefs, our mental state, our emotion, and as well as our, you know, physical state, right, bodily gesture. So obviously, you know, um, in empirical study, you're familiar with, with that. Um, and in philosophy, in some of the non-Western traditions, um, it's also very prominent that all these things are really very much connected, 
right? So in Western philosophy, we we think that the most important thing happens here, right? Um, but there are a lot of different traditions as well as empirical studies seem to suggest does not happen here. It happens all over in our body, right? Our decision-making and our feelings. So I, I do think that the bodily exercise and the bodily gesture, um, it's closely associated with our feelings. And our feelings are extremely, emotions are extremely important in certain senses, because if we just bow down or, you know, if we just do something without actually feeling it, or if we just say something without actually feeling it, that's not necessarily. So I, I think in daily communication, sometimes it's okay for us to have the gesture, but not always have the emotion um, coupling it. But ideally, um, at least in some circumstances, they are all supposed to be there so they can mutually, you know, in- enforce each other because they are supposed to be there together. So I think it's a very important area to look into. And it, it is something that a lot of times, a lot of times the theorists would neglect that the bodily aspect of the value of the, of the practice we're realizing as we come to, I mean, as our conversation is sort of wrapping up, I think because uh, time is coming to a close, that that gratitude, you know, is at the beginning, we sort of said, you know, it's very complex, as Alexa said, and now we're sort of realizing that, yes, there are potentially many sort of, you know, and negative consequences of gratitude if we if we start to examine it from these sort of different perspectives. And yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's we've definitely raised some really, really interesting questions, Uh Hopefully, you know, these are things that we can, in the course of our own research, try and unpack or, you know, hopefully like, you know, give other people who are interested in gratitude uh, a direction that, you know, maybe they can pursue research in. So I hope that it's it's useful to, to people. Thank you, Jing, for participating. And thank you, Alexa, for making the trek and going to campus and, 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 and being there to represent us. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Great conversation. I've learned a lot, like, like last time. Yes, it was really, really fun. Thanks again. If you have an idea for a podcast, please let us know. You can contact us by email at info.for at concordia.ca or find us on social media at cu4thspace. We'd love to hear from you. The Fourth Space podcast is hosted by me, Douglas Moffat, and produced with Anna Voklovec. Editing by Chanel Lees Marshall and Maximus Delmar. Social media and web support by Kari Balmstead and our theme music, courtesy of Supercontinent. Thanks for listening.